the proper response to all that Jesus has done for you and I is, as Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, is to give our lives, is to literally present ourselves, our bodies, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. It is our reasonable service, or our reasonable worship. As believers in Jesus Christ, we should echo the Apostle Paul's salutation to the believers in Rome and Philippi and Titus and other places in the New Testament the Apostle Paul, this is how he opens a lot of the letters. He says, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Paul, a bondservant, someone who's been presented to Christ, someone who literally has responded properly by presenting my whole self on the altar for Jesus Christ. And Paul refers to himself as a bondservant. This is the, this is the response. This is the, the, Paul put it this way, it's the only logical, it's the the only one that makes sense. Uh, And it's the correct response to God's saving work in our lives, and it starts with humility. It starts with humbling ourselves before God. It has an attitude of gratitude, and it also carries with it this idea that we are, we are called to that. We're called to that position. We're called to do that, to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. Mary, the, Mary, the mother of Jesus, actually echoed these same sentiments uh, when she told the angel on the night that it was announced to her that she would be the mother of Jesus, the Savior. It was announced to her And what was her response? She said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord. What's that? She said, yeah, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be unto me as you have said. And so from Mary to the apostle Paul and all those that would follow Christ, it is that call to be the Lord's servant. The word bondservant doesn't elicit a picture of power and prestige. You know, you know, if you do a message on serving, you know, being a person of service, okay, we're going to talk about, we're going to be talking about servanthood. We're going to be talking about um, humbling ourselves. We're going to be talking about being a person of service. This doesn't, it's, it doesn't, you know, drum up pictures of, wow, you know, just a prestigious, you know, position and power and authority and all the rest of it. Well, let me just say it depends on how you look at it. It depends on what angle you're looking at it, which glasses you're using to observe it. Jesus, who is God, and in whom all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him and has all the power in the universe... Use that power and prestige to do what? To serve mankind. He used it to serve you. So I think that it flows out of that power and authority that God had to serve the world, to serve each person. And if we're going to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, 
then we've got, to, we've got to become servants. We've got to become people of service. Jesus said this, no man is above his master. No man's above his master. No man is better than his master. And if, and if Jesus, who has all authority and all power that has been given to him, if he came to serve, not to be served, but to serve, then we are to learn that service from him. And we need to develop that attitude of service, the discipline of serving. Developing this, the discipline of serving starts with your mindset and your attitude. That's where it starts. If you don't ever develop a mindset and an attitude for service, you will struggle to be a servant because you will be constantly crashing against an alternate mindset that just is kind of governing the way you're thinking. So... We've got, to, we've got to change the way we're looking at it. We've got to change the way we're thinking about it. And we're going to take a look at it tonight in this text in John 13 it, through the example of Jesus himself. Jesus shows us how to develop the discipline of serving. He shows us how to serve others. If we're going to develop the discipline of serving, we must first, and if you're taking notes, I've, I've got two points tonight. The first one is, if you're, going to develop, if you're going to be a person of service, you've got to first set your mind on heaven. Set your mind on heaven. And secondly, you just simply need to serve others. It's kind of, almost kind of like a Nike thing. Just do it. If you're going to be a person of service, just do it. Just serve others. Okay? So set your mind on heaven. Let's take a look at it. John chapter 13, verse 1. We're going to read all the way down to, to verse 11. It says this. Now... Before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, you are not all clean. Okay, if you're going to be a person of service, if you're going to be a servant of the Lord, you, you have to change your attitude, you have to change your mindset, and here's the shift, here's the, I guess you could call it the paradigm shift that you have to have. You have to set your mind on heaven, you have to set your mind on the eternal. If we focus only on the earthly things that, that we're surrounded with, it will inhibit our ability to develop into a person of service a servant of the Lord. Here in John 13, 
you have Jesus celebrating the Passover feast with his disciples. And this was the particular feast that he looked forward to. This was the one. I mean, he had celebrated the Passover before all of his life, every year, right? But on this one, it is said that he looked forward to, to celebrating the Passover because he knew, as, as our text, we just read it, he says he, he, he knew his hour had come, right? If you read the Gospel of John, this is um, something that comes up. Um, it starts from the, real, from the beginning of the book. When you first see Jesus coming on the scene, it, you know they were trying to kill him. There was a p- passage where they were trying to lay hands on him and take him, and they couldn't do it. Why? Because his hour was not yet. Uh, and, and this just kind of goes to that, you know, God's got every, everything under control, amen, and he's got a timing to it all, and certainly with the life of Christ, his, his son, and, and so anyways, he, he is, uh, he's looking forward to celebrating the Passover, and he's celebrating the Passover feast, and at this particular Passover, he celebrates the Passover, and also this is, this is the one where he kind of changes things up, right? This is the one where, you know, after supper, he took the bread, he, he took the bread and he broke it, and, and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And he took the cup and he said, this, is, this cup is a new testament, a new covenant in my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. And so this is where he gave us really the, the communion meal that, that kind of flowed out of that Passover meal that he celebrated on the night right before he was arrested. And so now the supper had ended and the disciples were just lounging and talking. And I guess one of the translations, you know, they were reclining, you know, they're just, you know, hanging out, right? You know, how cool, you know, how, how, how awesome of a, uh, a time that must have been just being with Jesus. And so they were just, just talking, you know how you have those times when you're out with friends or whatever, and you're just, you know, the, the meal's over, and you're just kind of lingering, and, you know, the waiter comes and says, would you like the check? And, oh, yeah, you can bring the check, whatever, but, you know, we're just still hanging out. And um, bring us some refills or whatever, <laughs> you know. And, um, and so they're just talking. And during this time, the text tells us that Jesus rose from the supper and laid aside his garments, and he took a towel and he girded himself to wash the disciples' feet. But I want to take you back to the, the, the important thing to notice in this context is you've got to take a look at verse 3. This is kind of really where you wrap your mind around this paradigm shift, this mindset change. It says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper. Okay? So what? Knowing Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was from God and he was going to God. So he knows a couple things. Jesus knows a couple things. And if we're going to be servants following in the footsteps of Christ, we've got to know a couple things. Okay? Jesus knew that the, that the Father had given all things into his hands. He, he had all power and authority. In fact, when Jesus, after the resurrection... Uh, gathers the disciples and he delivers to them what we have called the Great Commission, what has been since called the Great Commission. The preface to the Great Commission is all power and authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, right? So Jesus knows this. He knows that the Father has given all things into his hands. He's got 
the power, the authority. He's got the power. He had told them already earlier in the week, I have the power to lay my life down and I have the power to raise it up again. If you destroy this temple, I will raise it up in three days. He, he, he's been given all these things. He's been given the power, the authority. All this resides in him. So he knows that. He also knows this, that he had come from God and was going to God. He knew where he was from and he knew where he was headed. He knew where he was from and he knew where he was headed. So you, you have to know what God's given you, who you are, and where you're going. And if you know these three things as a Christian and they kind of just become a major part of your mindset and your thinking, it will begin to affect what you do in your life. And if you grab hold of these, this mentality, this thinking, it will affect your attitude. It will affect your, you will, you will have the right attitude. You'll have the right disposition to be able to be a servant of God. Amen? So we've got to understand that. Who are you, Christian? Who are you? Well, you're a son, a daughter of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You've been made royalty. You've been made a royal priesthood of all believers. You have been made holy. You've been made a saint, a holy thing in the sight of God. He has cleansed you. And here we're, and we're going to talk about that where he says you're all clean. Not, well, one of you is not clean, but you're all clean. But <laughs> Anyways, so you've been made holy, right? So you're all these things. Christian, you, you know these things. we got to know these things. Now, where are you headed? Where are we headed? We're headed for heaven. We're headed for heaven. Yeah, we're traveling through. We're on pilgrimage. We're making our way through life. But where are we headed? We're heading into eternity. We're heading into the, to be with Jesus all of our lives, to, to, to be with him in heaven. And this is what Jesus knew. He knew what had been given to him. He knew who he was, where he, where he was from, where he was going. And this is so important. And Christian, we have to, we have to know these things um, if we're going to follow in the footsteps of Christ because this, these things were the things that were readily on his mind. And... Uh, and, and, the, and the rest of the New Testament advises us to have a heavenly mindset. Um, we're told in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, you can write that down, look it up later. It says this, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Um, you know, kind of if you don't know what to do and you're just distressed and you're just whatever, things are, you're just freaking out, just start thinking about heaven. Thinking about over on the other side. You know, take your mind off of earthly things. When we take our mind off of earthly things, we set our mind on things above, it changes the perspective. Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and following. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the question is, where's your treasure? Um, we think we have some treasures down here. How many think you have some treasures? 
How many realize you have no treasures? <laughs> no, it's okay to have some treasures. It's okay to have some earthly treasures, but really they're not as valuable as we think they are. They're really not. In fact, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Pretty much 99% of everything is going to end up on that hill over on Sarno Road. Amen? Okay, so just keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. And you could have added that as a corollary statement to Jesus' statement here. Where, wrath, where moth and rust uh, destroy and where the stuff will end up on the heap um, on Sarno Road. Um, what, why, what, you know, what makes someone... Uh, you know, being able to make an earthly impact for eternity because they have a mindset set on heaven and they realize that heaven is real, that that's where we're headed, it's a real place, and, and that's it. So you've heard it said that he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. Jesus would say, you can't be any earthly good unless you're heavenly minded. So we need to be heavenly minded. Jesus was heavenly minded. What's that? Knowing that God had given all things into his hands and that he was from God and he was going to God. Next thing. Then he rose from supper. You see the context from which he rose from supper? It, he rose from supper because of what he knew. Because of what he knew. So that he could raise, raise himself up from supper and walk into the corner to gird himself, gather a, get a bowl of water to serve the disciples. The other thing, the other main thing that was on his mind was it says that he had all authority, all power. All things have been given into his hands. If you think about all power and authority, that's a tremendous amount of power and authority. <laughs> Because, you know, generally when, the, when you see the word all in Scripture, it's, you know, here's the word study on that. All means all. <laughs> okay? It's one of those simple word studies. All means all. All means everything. All power and authority had been given into his hands. And I had this example of um, just the old days of NASA. Not, not these, these latter days with these little, like, you know, rockets that go up now. I'm talking about back in the day when the big rockets went up in space. I mean, have you, have you been to, to the space station, um, the, the Kennedy Space Station, and walked underneath the Atlas V? Have you done that? Raise your hand if you've done that. Yeah. That's a rocket, okay? <laughs> that thing is a rocket. I mean, each one of the cones of, the, of that thing is probably a almost as big around as this room. Not quite, but close. I mean, it is a monstrous rocket. Now, there's a lot of power that's involved in sending that Atlas V rocket up into space. Now, think about the power that was involved in setting the foundation of the Earth and putting the sun in the moon in their rotations around the earth. The power that said, let there be light. Now we're talking about a whole different level of power. And this text says that all power and authority have been given to him. Paul put it this way. 
In Colossians 1.16, this is a great verse, you need to write this down. Just the reference, you can look it up later. But this is what it says. For by him, who's he talking about? Jesus. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven, that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. All power. All power. Now the question is, that we have to answer, is what did Jesus do with this power? What did Jesus do with it? Knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he came from heaven and was going to heaven, he rose from supper to wash the disciples' feet. Now Jesus went and took a towel, and it says he girded himself with a towel. With a towel like an apron. So, you know, they would take a towel and wrap it around their waist like an apron. In the book of Exodus, chapter 28, we have the clear specifications of the priestly garments. The high priest of Israel wore a specific uh, fashion. There was a fashion of the high priest And each piece made a statement. It was a large fashion statement, trust me. The statement that the garments of the high priest made. Now, there was one piece in particular of these particular garments that I want to talk to you about right now. And it was called the ephod. The ephod. Now, back a few years ago, Apple came out with a thing called the iPod. (laughs) But it wasn't as cool as the ephod of the high priest. The ephod. The ephod, it was kind of like an apron that was put over the top of the high priest and it was had gemstones on the shoulders and it was gathered together. It was fastened together by a band. It was, in that sense, girded together. And the ephod spoke of the authority of the high priest. It actually kind of spoke about the authority, the office of the high priest, that there was the authority of God to carry out the work of the high priest. And so the person, the high priest who had the ephod on, had that authority and power, and it was seen in this ephod that was really, it was like an apron. And it was connected by two shoulder straps at the top, and it was fastened together. And as I said, the, it was, now this is what the language tells us in Exodus 28. It was connected, it was connected to the ephod. It was woven together by what's called an intricately woven band, the intricately woven band of the ephod that connected this together. Now, if you read this in the King James, and I have to bring this up because when I first came across this, I, you know, it's funny, right? Um, in the King James in Exodus 28, and you can look it up later, but it calls this intricately woven band of the ephod, it calls it a curious girdle, the curious girdle of the ephod. Now, I'm one that thinks all girdles are curious, but, uh, but this, was, this was the curious girdle of the ephod. 
Now, and I do have to mention this too, because this is, this is all just funny stuff, all right? When, 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 uh, when my sister Chris is here tonight, she, she gives the announcements and does, she does a great job greeting us and giving us the, letting us know what's up. And, uh, and so anyways, believe it or not, uh, in high school, I'm two years younger, but we did have a class together in high school at Chantilly High School, Chantilly High School. What was the class? Well, we had geometry. We had geometry together, and our teacher was one of the football coaches. And he was one of these classic football coaches, you know, the ones that would wear like the bike shorts, you know, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about? You kids today don't know what I'm talking about, but you, you, you know what I'm talking about. The older people, you know, you're nodding. Yeah, those bike shorts. And anyways, we would sit there, we would sit there in class, and um, he came in, and it looked like he had something on under his shirt. And all of us kids in the class were trying to figure out what in the world he had on. And we were like, what is it? What is it? What could it be? Is it a girdle? I think it's a girdle. I think he's got, he's a football coach. He's got a girdle. Maybe, I, maybe it was an early version of Spanx or something. I don't, I don't know. But anyways, it was curious. And um, so anyways, funny stuff. All right. So the... the the, the King James calls it the curious girdle of the ephod. It's uh, the intricately woven band of the ephod. Now, whenever you have this idea of a, of a girdle, and the girdle kind of girded the ephod. And so the, the, this, this idea of girding is actually all the way through Scripture. Okay, so... So, in fact, it goes all the way back to the Passover. Okay, so here you have Jesus at the Passover with his disciples, girding his self with this towel. But if you go back to the, the idea of girding oneself, it goes back to the instructions for the Passover, and they were to eat, they were given instructions to eat the Passover in Exodus chapter 12. In verse 11, it says this, and thus you shall eat it, eat the Passover with a belt on your waist and your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand, so, sh so shall you eat it in haste. With, eat it with your loins girded. So there was this idea that a, a, an eating of the Passover was they would be literally girded. And why would they be girded to eat the Passover in Exodus chapter 12? Because the very next day, they were going to be walking out of there. Not only with all their stuff, but with a treasure trove of stuff from the Egyptians. They walked out of there with um, just the riches of Egypt that, that, that were given to them because of what, G, of what God did at the Passover. So it speaks of our walk. When we gird ourselves, it speaks of what we do. It speaks of how we walk. And so whenever you see it used in the New Testament, you see it used in that saying, we've got to gird ourselves to do such and such, right? So they girded themselves to eat the Passover so that they could walk, they, in haste they could go and make their exodus out of Egypt. And the New Testament writers will use it in that same idea that we're to gird ourselves to do what? To do whatever it is that they're emphasizing we should do, that we should be girded in that way. And so this idea of being girded is, is this idea of 
doing that, what we walk out in our ministry, walking with Christ and, and following him. So we've got to be, we've got to be girded. We've got to be ready to walk. Uh, and, and so we've also got to be ready to serve. Um, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, Paul talks about the, the armor, right? To, to put on all the armor of God. And one of the things we're to be girded with there is truth, right? Having girded your waist with truth. And this speaks of a warfare. That if we're going to, we, we're girded to walk, but we're also girded to wage battle. Because when we go in and set ourselves up to be the servant of God, we better get ready for a warfare because there's warfare that's come against. And you say, well, I'm just going to go over here and serve. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you better be girded with the belt of truth because there's going to be warfare happening when, when, when you set your mind to serve the Lord and, and, and to do the work of the ministry. And trust me, yes. I can vouch for it. Anybody who's ever spent two seconds in the ministry can vouch for the fact that when you set yourself out to serve the Lord and to minister to people and to minister first to the Lord, you are going to be smack dab in the middle of a warfare. So you better be girded to walk and you better be girded with truth to, to do battle in warfare. And you have the authority of Christ to do that. Amen? Amen. So this is how Jesus acted. He girded himself with a towel, and then he proceeded. Well, he did that, and he did what he did, and he went and brought the truth to bear upon each one of those disciples. Amen? And, and that's what we need to do. Jesus acted by virtue of his power, his authority, his love. He brought the truth to bear upon the disciples, and he did, he did it. He did it. He didn't just sit there. He didn't just sit there. He got up. He, he rose from the table, rose from supper to gird himself to serve, the, to serve. And you know what? Sometimes it starts you know, with anything. People talk about wanting to do this. Well, I'm going to do this and that. And I'm going to have a ministry and I'm going to serve the Lord and I'm going to do all this wonderful stuff. You got to rise from the table and do it. Whatever you're going to do in life, there's, there's fantasy, <laughs> and then there's living it out. Amen? And I think a lot of people live in a fantasy world of what they're going to do and how they're going to live and what they're going to do for Jesus. You know? And meanwhile, <laughs> there's a whole world out here that is happening. And we've got to be those people. Amen? Yeah. We've got to be those people. So one by one, he washed their feet. In that region, at that time, the bottom of the foot was considered the dirtiest. And so you would come in, and they would have servants that would uh, clean their feet. It was like a low, low job. I mean, it was like the lowest of low. So here Jesus is getting up after the supper, girding himself, getting a bowl, a basin. Now he's going to come. He's going to present himself to the disciples to wash their feet. And who does he come to? He comes to Peter. And Peter says, no, 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 no. You're not, you're not going to wash my feet. 
He says, unless, you, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Peter says, okay, well, good. Just, just give me a bath then. <laughs> just wash everything. Give me, what do they call that? Bird bath. A bird bath. Yeah, give me, just, just give me a bird bath. And Jesus says, no, you don't need it. If you've been bathed, you're all right, but you just need to have your feet clean. And you're clean. You guys have been cleansed. But not all of you. Not all of you are clean. And of course, he was speaking of Judas Iscariot, who was going to go out to betray him later that night in the garden. But I want to just kind of leave that point with this. It's the idea of having the knowledge, having the attitude, the mindset of heaven, where you are, who you are, where you're headed, and what Christ has done in you, and the power and authority that you have been gifted, to, given by God. Because if you look at the Great Commission... If you look in that context, and I've mentioned it earlier, he says, all, all authority and power has been given to me, therefore go into all nations, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations, right? So what is he saying? He's saying all power and authority has been given to me, so go in my authority. You're not just going and just, you know, just going. You're going in my authority. You're going in what I've done in you. You're, go you're going in what I've placed on you. And then, of course, it just takes action. You have, to, you have to change your mindset, and then you just have to activate the action. Amen? And so let's go to the next point. Just, just serve each other. Verse 12. Let's pick it up there. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garment and sat down, he said to them, Do you know that I, what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord and say, Well, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So just we've got to serve each other. If you're going to develop the discipline of serving, if you're going to be a person of service, you must just simply step out with that attitude, that mindset of heaven, and that understanding of the authority given to you in Christ to serve each other, to serve those that God has placed in your life, to serve God and to serve those around you, and to, and to find that place where you can be, be a, a minister of the Lord, be a, be a servant of the Lord. And you can, there's, 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 there's a million and one, a billion and one things that it could be. But you've just got to find that place. After Jesus had washed all the disciples' feet, he picked up his garments and he sat down and he asked them a question. He says, do you know what I've done to you? You call me Lord and teacher and I have washed your feet. Jesus is the master of the universe. He's created the world. He spoke the world into existence and he washed their feet he cleaned their feet. Do you know what I have done to you? We've got, we've got to stop and realize Jesus is our master, our teacher, and he served us. He humbled himself and became a servant. And if our master and teacher has served us, we ought to follow his lead. Amen? Verse 15, he says, I have given you a, an example. No servant is greater than his master. Nor is he who is sent greater than he who has sent him. 
Now, what is this? What is the context? What, what would this look like today? Well, I think what, what has happened historically, like at least in like the latter part of the 20th century and, and maybe all the way up till today, you know, you'll read a text like this and say, oh, well, let's, let's have a foot washing, <laughs> right? So we're going we're gonna to do this. And, and somehow, you know, follow in the footsteps of the Lord. And, that, and that's great. And I think there's a valuable uh, lesson to be learned there. And it's actually very, it, it is very humbling. If you've ever done it, raise your hand if you've ever been a part of a foot washing. No? Okay, well, maybe we should have one. <laughs> because it is a valuable lesson. No, we're not signing up for one yet, okay? <laughs> but if you've ever taken someone's foot in your hand to wash it, it's, a, it's very humbling. It is very humbling. And it's just not something that we do. It's just not something that, you know. I mean, I go by, you know, you go by in the mall and you see all the, the nail places and, the, you know, they got the people sitting there, you know, here, give me your ugly looking foot and I'll, you know, here, we'll get the chainsaw out and saw them things off and whatever. <clears throat> you know. <laughs> you know, just all the, the Everything. It's not something that we do. But here's, here's, I think, the lesson. We've got to contextualize it. What does it look like for us today? What does it look like for us today? It may not be washing feet, you know? Because most of us, I mean, I'd, 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 you know, put a decent amount of money on the fact that your feet are probably, you know, fairly clean. You know, most everybody in this crowd, except, except for those of you that have sandals on or flip-flops. I, I, that would be a little bit questionable at that point. But for those of you who have socks and shoes on, I'm going to go with the fact that probably, for the most part, your shoes are mostly, except for some lint that's crawled up in between your toes and stuff, you've got to get that out of there and, and all that good stuff. But, but what you've got to do here with this is you've got to contextualize. What does it look like for us today? What would it mean, you know, to serve someone or to serve each other in this way? And, and, and like I said, there's a host of ways that we can do that. There's a myriad of ways. And, and you read Romans 12 of, you know, you know you, okay, you read Romans 12. I opened up this teaching tonight with Romans 12 verse 1, really. The response to the gospel is to present yourself as a living sacrifice. Just a few verses into the chapter, he's already talking about, okay, here's the practical way to do that. Serve. Use the gift. If you've been given a gift of, of giving or teaching or administration or, or, or service or ministry or helps or whatever it is, use that gift and, and, and serve one another. And in that, you're following after Christ. Amen? Now, if you're a Christian, and I'll move this to a close. I'll move this to a close. If you're a Christian, and you're not actively serving, or you, or you, or you rarely find yourself in a place where you're serving, and you're just kind of just in this mode of where, you know, you're just taking care of yourself, you know, that's good. That's good. That's, that's scriptural. 
right there. To take care of yourself. To not be a burden on other people. You know, unless there's good reason that, you know, that, 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 and then that's where the body comes in that we need to minister to one another. Amen? But here's what can happen in the, in, in the mind of the Christian who just never kind of just like the slogan, Nike slogan says, just do it. They never just get up from the table just to, to gird themselves to serve. They just, they just don't do it. They hear a ton of messages about it. They, they're convicted of the Holy Spirit that, you know, maybe that's something they should do, but they just don't. Here's what happens. Sooner or later, they begin to think about all the stuff happening in the world, and it becomes overwhelming, overwhelming. Over in our church in, in uh, Orlando, um, we have, had a dear sister that came in. She walked through the doors um, of the church when we were probably like a month or six weeks old as a church. And she would tell you, if she was here, and many of you know her, she would tell you that she was, you know, a baby Christian at that time, if that. And she grew in the Lord. She came into the church. She grew in the Lord. And she eventually became the, my, my assistant. She was the administrative assistant. And, um, and she just, just grew and grew in the Lord. And she just served the Lord with just a great, great heart of ministry. And, you know, one time she told me, she said, Charles, I, I think this was after, after a message. And she said, Charles, she said, I, I there were times when I used to be, I would think about all the things that are happening in the world, all the need, all the starvation, all the abuse, all the, the kids neglected, everything that's happening. And if you, and if I, just as I've said that, I've just overwhelmed you. If you were begin to think of all of it. And she said, there were times when I just felt overwhelmed by it all. And she says, you know what? I no longer feel overwhelmed by that because I've found my place of serving in the kingdom. And if we each find that place in the kingdom, then what God wants to do in and through you and in and through the local church and in and through the body of Christ across the earth, his will is going to be accomplished in and through us. And we can set our minds at ease because I'll be the first to agree with her, that it is overwhelming the task. The task of the ministry that is out there. But it's just, the calling is simply that we would be those people that would rise from supper to gird ourselves, just like our master, just like our savior, to serve one another in the ministry.